This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and David Jones. Okay, Penn State fans, Dave Jones, Bob Flounders here. We both made it back from that lovely airport in Atlanta without uh, too much trouble. Dave's munching on some breakfast. It's Wednesday morning. Plenty to get to. We just saw the college playoff semifinals. Uh, I know Dave's got a pretty strong opinion. I think he does on the Monday final, but we let's get to some Penn State news, Dave. It just, it just broke, and I think it's important to talk about because uh, watching that Peach Bowl and thinking about it and thinking about the last, the second half of the Penn State season, I mean, it was... <clears throat> It was literally painful to watch them try and throw the football. It, it really was. And they played some teams that weren't even that good, and it was painful to watch. But Dante Cephas, the, the guy they really, I think, had high hopes for this year uh, from Kent State, the transfer portal guy, is, is, is according to uh, On3, going to go back into the transfer portal. No surprise there. Did not play in the Peach Bowl. Uh, pedestrian numbers at Penn State. I'm not sure how much of that was his fault, how much of it was just the structure of the offense, but it is an eyesore, the Penn State. <laughs> it is an absolute eyesore. Did you ponder the noun you were going to use you there before? Watch that passing game and then watch the old Miss passing game. It was just alarming. It needs to be eradicated from the surface so far. <laughs> It needs an F5 tornado to scrub it, scrub it out of the uh, foundation of the house. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, David, the reason I, I, I uh, use the word eyesore is the thing that surprises <laughs> me is. I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of Philadelphia Inquirer's section where they had actual eyesores, you know, of people, urban, urban landscapes around. Yes, that's what it was. I know it's, it's been a while, but if you just remember how Penn State opened the season uh, against West Virginia, West Virginia is not a bad team. Aller threw for 325 and three. Um, yeah. DeAndre Lambert-Smith had that 72-yard catch-and-run score, I think. on the Mal- Malik McLean had a big wow play. Yeah. It looked like it was the dawn of a new era, much like much like the Hackenberg era, right at the start, and then it just kept getting worse. Well, let's, let's not forget Iowa. Let's not forget Iowa, right? Where they made a really what looked like a really good tactical decision. So you're you're encouraged about Yursich because he just chewed them up, and they did what they beat Iowa at Iowa's game. That looks really good. Let's not forget. I mean, they they dominated the ball for 45 and a half minutes. That's crazy. And how many first downs was it? 20, 27? In, in a, in a, it's some pretty adverse weather, too. It was not it was not a it was a wet night. It was raining a lot. It was, you know, the grass. But yeah, September looked great. It sure did. And then it all just kind of disintegrated. It, it started started to leak oil at Illinois. Uh, and then just kind of continued on and the Ohio State game and then the Michigan game. And, you know, it just the, the old the old Miss game. I just have so many questions, Dave, about what I saw at the Peach Bowl. Uh, and I, I think it's going to be an unsettling offseason for Penn State. 
I, I know there's a lot of high hopes for this offensive coordinator, but I, I don't. Drew Aller, um, even when he completed passes in that game, Dave, he was not accurate with the football. And I don't think he can put it all on the wideouts. I really don't. No, but, but on the other hand, we saw the same stuff out of him that we saw out of Hackenberg when, for a different reason. With Hackenberg, it was the like free rushers coming in on him in the, the Temple game, 10 sacks. It's like he had PTSD and got happy feet and then got defiant and almost started to crash through guys like Anthony Morelli. <laughs> Remember that? He would like defy rushers and, and, and just take a beating. This was different. This was a lot of wideouts that couldn't come open. And Cephas is at the top of the list, you know. He showed it can't that he can catch the ball. He caught a ton of passes, but he couldn't get open against Big Ten DBs. Uh, he, he just couldn't. And we saw it. We, we see which is more like a coach's cut. When you're live, you have to see all. And, you, and no one's better than you are at seeing 22 players all at once. I still don't know how you do it. But you can see a defense and see what's going on. And we both know that even though you, you, you do have to share some of the blame with Aller, I can't remember a receiving core this inert, this inept, not only not really catching balls, but certainly not getting open, never taking the top off the defense. It was, there was just not anything. And in the, in the Peach Bowl, you've got Tyler Warren, for God's sakes, split out. How often was he split out? Wide. I mean, that's the ultimate indictment. You've got a tight end split out wide because you got nobody else. You're not playing Cephas. You're not playing McLean. They don't trust Trey Wallace. I mean, DeAndre Lambert Smith disappeared in the last four games of the year, two catches for 28 yards, last four games. It, the, the, the thing, I guess what, I, what I'm trying to get at is I agree with you on the separation, but it also, you know, they, they, they worked together for August practice through December. And it looked like there was never any familiarity between the quarterback and the wideouts as far as, well, you know, Drew, I think, knew that there wasn't, they weren't going to be wide open. But there were times he would throw the ball and it would be like, you know, five or six yards away from where they were supposed to make their cut. It didn't even look like they were on the same page if you just take the athleticism away. And then in the Peach Bowl, you would contrast that every – Every corresponding possession with Jackson Dart and Watkins and Wade and Harris and Plaquehorn and the, the all of them, everything was completely in sync, totally in sync, like they'd been playing with each other for ten years, like an NFL crew. And so it made it even more garish the 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 contrast yeah, yeah. it's bad. you know old men i mean that was that was very very uh eye-opening because it's and it, and it really does dave speak to the big 10 in general passing games in the big 10 you know michigan's passing game i know had its moments in the uh in the playoff but they weren't really leaning on their passing game ohio state's passing game was really just marvin harrison and he was a, he was you know just an exceptional player but there really are no good passing games in the Big Ten. And it's just kind of to watch an SC team, SEC team come in like that and just light it up is uh, it's kind of educational. And even last year's Penn State passing game at the end, you look at the Rose Bowl, a much, much more finished product um, without Parker Washington. 
you know, on the field. And, you know, Sean made some big throws in that game. DeAndre had a big play. Mitchell Tinsley had big plays. And you look at what we saw at the end of this year, and it's it's not it's not a 180, Dave, but it's pretty close. Uh, I think Marcus Higgins is kind of do you do you hear him being raked over the coals at all? I don't hear that, but I have to think um, I have to think there's going to be some interesting discussions between James and his staff um, because it they they definitely did not get better as the year went on. And it kind of looked like they got worse. Oh, they got worse. Yeah, they got a lot worse. Um, I, I, that that move, getting rid of Taylor Stubblefield and kind of in a in a in a in a snit. Yeah, the way I heard it, and all of a sudden, Hyron Higgins, who has shown absolutely no ability to coach any of these guys up. And then this, they didn't scheme anybody open. It was it was a mess, and it just got worse as the season went on. So he's got big problems. Uh, you know, think of Julian Fleming, and and I don't know what you have to say about Julian Fleming, but uh, did you see him at all at Southern Columbia or not? I didn't. I well, I he he played in a high school offense that wasn't it a wing tee? Was I don't know if you think it was a pass offense. He was it was a small school and he was just a fantastic athlete. And, you know, he did a lot. I think he did a lot of different things for him, but he he was kind of a projection and a guy that at camps, you could tell he had he had uh, division one, high division one talent. But he also played in a wide receiver room. That's one of the greatest. Oh, yeah, that's that's what I was getting at. He's, he's playing with Jackson Smith and Jigba. And Amika Buka. Davison Williams had to leave. It was so good. And Marvin Harrison. And he couldn't even get on the field for two years. Uh, He didn't get a ton of targets the last two years. And now we're expecting him if he hasn't committed yet, has he? I don't think there's anything official with regards to uh, to Um, expecting him to come in and be the savior. Well, he he will be in the room as it is now. <laughs> he'll be the man. Maybe he'll grow on that. You know, it's, I don't yeah. know. Provided he does, a, he they they do connect all the dots. That is that's what's anticipated for sure. Nothing's official, but boy, Dave, I I just that that peach bowl, and then I was like, you know, it, they they just they, they didn't play. You know, when they weren't really looking great against Delaware and UMass. You could blow it off because they got big leads, and then you didn't know what if they were what they were trying to do. But at no point did you see them ever really assert any kind of superiority, and it's because they did they were not superior. But I just can't believe um, all these four star wideouts that came to Penn State, and not none of them have gotten better. None of them. It's stunning. You can go back to the two uh, the 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 two. Two kids and uh, uh, Justin Shorter and um, 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 JJ. What was his name? I can't. Well, remember. Juwan Johnson was a guy. Juwan Johnson. Yeah, yeah, he's now a tight end in the NFL. But like, Abe Blacknall was another guy. Irv Charles, another guy. All four stars, and they all just leveled off. They all just you saw like one or two plays, and then and then you never saw them again. So I, other than other than Chris Godwin and KJ Hamler um, and uh, Deshaun Hamilton. Um, at Parker Washington, yeah, there, there's been some success stories, but you've been here for ten years, and you can count them on two hands. It's a problem. Well, the common denominator is the the total transience, continual transience of and, and upheaval 
at the wide receiver coach uh, staff position. And ever since Josh Gaddis, it has been in con- constant turnover. That can't be good. Uh, I don't think I it's great that he's on his sixth OC in 10 years either. That's, that's another constant. Yeah. So at some point, it, got, it comes back to Franklin, doesn't it? It sure does. It sure does. Ohio State, for instance, and I keep coming back to this, but they are the gold standard for wide receivers in the league. Uh, they weren't great this year, but they're still leagues of, <laughs> beyond Penn State and everyone else in the league, for that matter. And Brian Hartline has been the consistent presence in there for, I think, five years now. And that's the difference. Uh, you have to make tough staff de- decisions these days in college football because everyone wants to progress and ascend the ladder because the money is so big. And I know I've talked about this over and over, but the decisions Franklin has made there have been wrong. They've been proven out to be wrong, even when he had the best guys. I don't know what you do with Josh Gaddis because he wanted to be a coordinator. He moved to Alabama. Well, so be it. Um, because he wasn't ready to be a coordinator. He's still not ready to be a coordinator. He wasn't ready at Michigan, and they only turned that around when he and Harbaugh parted ways. So you can't really blame Franklin for that. Um, but but Taylor Stubblefield, I think you can. That, that was a guy who was blamed for recruiting deficiencies when they didn't have their NIL crap together. They didn't. And he was blamed for that when you got a guy like Caden Prater who – who was a terrific uh, receiver at West Virginia, he wanted to be paid, and Maryland came up with the money first. Caden Prather is fantastic, and he was again in the bowl game against yeah, Auburn. He, you see them, he had some moments against Penn State in that route that you could tell that he was – I think if if, the, if if Talia could get him the ball a little bit more, he was going to do some damage. Well, yeah. they got a lot of weapons. They got Juwan Jones and yeah. a lot of guys. Well, but he was clearly their best receiver. Jay Sean Jones. But but they've got – yeah, I mean, he would have absolutely been the number one take-the-top-off guy of, at Penn State. And Lambert Smith never would have seen that position. So they didn't get him, and all of a sudden Stubblefield's blamed for this because they didn't have the NIL money ready, and there were two warring factions who were going at it. And I know it took a lot of time for different schools to put this together because it's not supposed to be part of the athletic department. It's supposed to be outside it per, you know, the, the rules as they see it now. Um, I don't know if that's realistic. I don't know if it's going to be that way in the future because I think athletes are going to be employees and then all of it will be in-house. But no one knew quite how to put it together, least of all Penn State. You could say this about Taylor Stubblefield. Under his watch, guys improved. Jahan Dotson improved. Parker Washington improved. Steep improvement. And they always ran good routes, and they always caught the ball. We haven't seen that at all, at all, since he left this last year. Yeah. Dave, one more thing I want to get to you get get to you about uh, before we talk about the playoffs and and I know you want to you want to interact with some people. I think you've got some uh, warm wishes for some people about regarding your uh, your retirement a, a little bit later. Uh, you heard from them, but what if for you? What would you do? What would you do with Bo Prabula this off season? If you're Andy Andy Kotelnicki, I mean he's just a guy that every time he came on the field he made something happen. He did it in the Peach Bowl. 
every just about every time he got he came on the field because it, the way that he can run, he can throw the ball. Um, how would you approach the offseason with him and Drew? I certainly would have just used him. I would have. I told you during the game in the second quarter, they got to put Prabula in there and run the ball against these guys because Mississippi's rushing defense it was vulnerable, and you saw it at the beginning of the game. They were gashing up the beginning. That was the move. I mean, if you want to win the game, you don't worry about whose feelings are hurt. And that means Drew Aller. I'm sorry. Uh, you're, it's, it's sad that their attributes don't mesh with his. And they don't. If you have a bunch of lower-tier wideouts, I'll be kind, that takes away from what Drew Aller can contribute because he's not a running quarterback. So what do you have here? You have a vulnerable rushing defense, and you have a terrific running quarterback. You can get a hat on a hat. You can, you can get an extra blocker, and you've got your running backs already revved up. Allen and Singleton had already ripped off gash runs. What are you doing? I mean, it's a bowl game. Everyone's telling you, the players on down, that, that these bowls don't matter anymore. They really don't. So just... Give your guys the best chance to win, have fun, and wear down that defense. They never could, they never could hold the field. And, you know, once the Penn State's defense got on the field, they were on there for a while, and they got worn out. I mean, that was the clear move. You could see it in the, early in the second quarter, put Prabula out there, leave him out there, and he wouldn't have had to throw that off. Uh, he did have one nice throw, but his vulnerability – is his arm, and he did throw on the move, and and that was the touchdown to Singleton for 48 yards. But he's not a guy you're probably going to live with. I don't care. It's a bowl game. You want to win it. It gives the program momentum. So there's that. Uh, what you do from now on is it's up to Kotal Nicky. I mean, these guys are battling for the position, in my mind at this point. But you have to ask yourself the question. Who are we as an offense? What's our personality? What do we want to be? And every time you think Penn State has decided who they are, they don't know who they are. Uh, Michigan finally receded back to who Jim Harbaugh is, and we see what's happened. I mean, they are a smash-mouth team. He finally rejected what Josh Gaddis wanted to do, which was a spread offense, and said, this ain't working. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to back, go back to Bo Schembechler. And while it's not that severe, he kind of has a Rick Leach kind of quarterback. Well, back to his Stanford days, right? Like when he just – what he did yeah. – he, he had a good quarterback. He had a really good quarterback. But he ran the ball and helped that quarterback. Uh, in my mind – that's what Penn State has always really been. We had that blip with Joe Moorhead. But if you're not going to recruit guys like that, I mean, they had Blacknell and, and, and Harrison and, and Godwin and, and Gesicki. They had all this weaponry. You've got to have the players if you're going to run that offense, man. You've got to have guys who can high point balls and go win 50-50s all over the field, which they did. Um, I, I meant Hamilton, not Harrison. Deshaun Hamilton. And, and, and they, they don't have that material. They're not going to have it. It's clear the portal's closed. If they get Fleming, as I see it, they're going to have Fleming. And they need to be 
more of, of, of a physical running offense, I think. And to me, that suggests Prabula, you know? My read was that, I th- and I think it was James, um, he, was, he was mindful of the fact that Bo should be on the field, and he was also a little too worried about how Drew would react. And the reason I say that, Dave, is he never put Prabula in the game by himself. He always had Aller out there somewhere. Just put Prabula in the game, uh, and and you have you have numbers. You know when you put when you put Bo and Drew in the game, you really don't have that number. Well, you're, you're giving up the you're, you don't have an extra extra blocker. You don't. You're limiting the reason for putting Prabula out there in the first place. Can you imagine what they would have had with Prabula and I don't know two tight ends and. I mean, they they would have road graded those guys. I think they were ready to be worn out as it was, and they never did it. It, it was to me, it was a clear adjustment ready to be made. I mean, Lane Kiffin made adjustments. I don't think the co-offensive coordinators or the co-defensive coordinators had their finest hours. In the well, game. that's time for Franklin to say, "Look, this is what we need to do." And I'm sorry, Drew Aller. You know, if you get, you get your feelings hurt, that's the way it is in big boy football. Uh, I'm sorry. This, that's, that's where you are. You're not in high school anymore, and I think anyone can understand that. Drew is a really nice kid. He's a, he's a great kid, but he might be too nice, in my opinion. I think, I, I think all kids and, you know, my own kid is 24, and it's good to get smacked around a little bit in life. It is. It it makes you tougher, and he might come out of that wherever he is. If they had put Prabul in, and all his friends and his family were asking, "What happened? What happened? How could he do that?" You you gotta you gotta man up and take it, and understand that you have to own it, and that's good for a twenty year old. And that's the way I feel about it. I don't know. Dave Jones, you're not a coddler. I know that's the, my takeaway. <laughs> you're not a coddler, and that's probably right. You should have seen me hear, hear, hearing me yelling at Kaiser last night for barking at night again. Oh. Yeah, always oh, coming. Dog in. Is he heard his name. He heard his name. He heard his name, and he's like, "I'm sorry, I didn't mean to." <laughs> Look at how he looks at you after all this crap you put him through. He, he heard his still, name. He still worships the ground you walk. But I, I, I don't tell understand. him because Anna's got to sleep at night. But you have to let him out to pee, right, at 11 o'clock. And he can't help himself. I tell him before he goes out, no barking. Remember, no barking. He's like, okay, okay, I got it. But then you look at, you let him out, and then like 30 seconds later, there's a raccoon or a possum or deer, and he, he's losing his mind. And he's like, I know, I know, I know. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And he is sorry. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Let's get to a couple things. Just your, your thoughts. We're about 23 minutes in here. Your thoughts on the semis and what you see from uh, the final between Michigan and, and, and uh, Washington on Monday night. What, let's go there first. I got to ask you, who were you picking in those two games? I, I, I had them both wrong. I, I, really, I really liked Alabama. Yeah, me too. But Texas, um, their size, especially maybe along the fronts, would be the difference. But I'll tell you what, Michael Penix, fast track. He did, man. Oh my gosh! I mean, he is. Kay, that's got to be Kalen DeBoer, doesn't it? It's yeah, gotta be. I just, I, 
he he's progressed. I know, but I'm just remembering. You know, I never, Dave. I never believed after that Penn State game in 2021. Yeah, when they lost 24. Now I know he wasn't playing with great talent. They lost 24 nothing. Brandon Smith hit him so hard. I thought we'd seen the last of him. I thought he was never going to play football again. I thought he was broken. I really did. I don't even know if he played the remainder of that season. He was kind of spindly, kind of spindly. He'd been hurt three times. That was the third time. Man, you, you're just talking about you're just talking about Drew and and you know kind of getting up off the deck if you have to overcome a little bit of adversity. Well, what did Michael Penix do? He's had I think two or three ACL tears. I think he had an upper body body injury. And for him to do what he did is really phenomenal. I, I would never have foreseen this. And I, I, I kudos to him. Uh, remarkable with that arm and the, the way he can put the ball exactly where he wants to. Not only that, but yeah, throwing 50-yard BBs. I mean, one after another after another. He missed the one that would have been a touchdown into uh, the third quarter, early fourth quarter. I can't remember. And I don't remember him missing a throw the rest of the game and doing it with guys in his face. I mean, standing in there and boom, the, the passes look like they reminded me of Jefferson street, Joe Gillum. You remember, remember the way he'd sling it? Oh boy, you lost some people there, but I know who you're talking about. You remember the way he'd sling that? Would, or Michael Vick, the way he just, the quickest release yeah. I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, and he, he was the Steelers. Uh, he was actually competition for uh, Terry Bradshaw, but he had, he had some demons, but he could never put it all together. But man, that yeah. release was something. The ball would fly out of his hands. Zing! You know, you could you could hear it fizzing. Um, Joe Namath, of course, a terrific release. Um, and Michael Michael Vick could just flick the ball. That's the kind of explosion on his throw. And yet, it seems to to be easy to catch, at least for the Washington receivers. Or that's another another receiving core that makes Penn State look like <laughs> yeah. any ball. You know, I mean, you see you see what could have happened to them if somehow they'd weasel into the tournament. It wouldn't have been pretty at all. When I was watching Dave, when I was watching the Michigan Alabama game, I I thought of a couple things. It reminded me of like those those boxing matches in the mid seventies where there was no separation. Between the fighters, whether it was the middleweights, when it was like, you know, Marvin Hagler and Benny Briscoe or or like George Foreman and Ron Lyle. Just, I knew I was I was thinking of that they fight. Just, yeah. They just looked at each other and said, well, someone's going to break here. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to try and break you. You're going to try and break me. Let's see what happens. And no one ever broke. And Alabama broke. Well, they didn't really. They just called the wrong play. I mean, they were expecting that gap to stay open in the A gap. And did you see what Michigan did? And they, they did that. It was, it was like the old uh, Chicago Bears when they used to pinch. Or no, it was the Steelers. It was the Steelers when they used to pinch with Joe Green. They were out like this. And then right at the snap, the tackles pinched. And that gap was gone. And the play wasn't there. Um, I didn't like the play. I didn't like the play call when you need three yards. You you gotta you gotta put him you gotta put Milrow out in the in the on the in the they, edge somewhere. They had, they had that running back free on the outside. He just he didn't. I think he, the the there was a bad snap. But if he had thrown it to the running back, he was going to walk in for a touchdown. In the center, oh my God, what a disaster! It was kind of a just a sloppy performance that we're not used to seeing from Alabama, and not a dominant offensive line at all. I mean, fifty-five gram was just a constant headache. In fact, the last play, 
he knocked his guard, the the Alabama guard, back in to Milrow, and that was the reason. Between the snap and that, he had no chance. He had no momentum. After I th- I thought an SEC title game, Atlanta at the end of the game was more physical. Uh, uh, Alabama was more physical than Georgia, uh, and I thought that would that show I would show up in this game. It did not. Uh, I thought the more physical team was Michigan. I thought they they hounded that quarterback. And they had some protection issues. And Michigan just kind of ran their offense. And they did a, they made some nice adjustments. They got their guys. The motion really caught, caused problems. And McCarthy played better, I thought, as the game went on. Because he did not – he looked shaky early. Especially for how shaky he looked in the first few minutes of the game. I mean, you got to give him credit for I that. I do. I do give him credit. Uh, yeah. he, he hung in there. Um, he reminds me of Rick Leach, which is ancient history. But – a, a fighter. Uh, he is a fighter and he's a competitor. And that bodes well for Michigan. I always thought Michigan was, um, I thought karma was going to get him. <laughs> Maybe it's not. <laughs> hey, they are They are a team that is united. They are a team that it is us against the world. And I, I do think there's something to that. They lost Zach Zinter. Uh, it did not, I think his name, their offensive lineman is it Zach Zinter. He's a good player. And hey, man, they got, they have an, they brought somebody else in. And Blake Corum, man, what a player. What a player. I'm not sure how, how good he's going to be in the pros, but he is an already all-time great Michigan running back. Impressive. I said after the Big Ten teams came out that I thought Kyle Manongai should have been voted first team. But that isn't to disparage Blake Corum because he's – when you say you don't think he's going to make the NFL, maybe it's because he's not real quick. He's He doesn't have a lot of wiggle to him. Well, look, he's he, – you know, Chase Brown was great, and he's he might, he might do some things for the Bengals, but it's going to take him a little time to get settled. A very good comparison, yeah. And Sidney, his brother, has become a better player um, with the Eagles. But um, Michigan – Looked like they were going to piss that game away. They looked like they were going to find a way to piss it away the whole game. I thought Alabama had them on the ropes and ready, and they came back. They came back, and that's – when you see that, that's a special team. It really is, and they, they've uh, they've been through the ringer, man. If you, they really have. The uh, the win at Penn State uh, under trying circumstances, the, the gutty performance against Ohio State and uh, – then how about the fourth and two call when they needed it? That was a, a terrific play. It was a beautiful play. Yeah. Uh, uh, they, they are uh, – I think Michael Penix is going to get hit in this one. I know that – That's that's where I was going. Yeah. I, I, don't, I, think, that, I think that they're going to go out of their way to make sure he knows – He better buckle up. He better strap it on. Because, I mean, he was he, – they remember him funny when, he's, when he was at Indiana. It's a Big Ten <laughs> game, really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he better strap it on me and get ready and get ready to get the ball out. He's not going to be able to to sit back there in his easy chair and fling the 50 yarders very often. He he's going to have to do it on first down if he does it and he's going to have to be get ready to get rid of it because he and he he did. He did against Texas. I thought he did really well that way, but I think this is another level of defense. To me, Michigan's the best defense. I have seen in this tournament, and it's not particularly close. Uh, Alabama's defense wasn't up to their usual standards at all. Um, to see that Alabama, did, did did you ever feel like the best? You know, I t- I texted to you a couple days ago the best 
the best team in the tournament or the best team in college football isn't in the tournament. Is that the way you still see it or do you see it that way at all? Georgia. I, I do kind of, I kind of feel pretty good about the four teams that got in. Um, I mean, not I, that I would have picked Georgia. I know. I, would, I yeah. think, I think that Georgia, Hey, they won one of their, they, they won one of their championships by they lost to Alabama in the SEC title game. They got in the tournament and they, they, they made amends in a big way. I think that was the first one. Uh, they were able to come back and win that game, and I, I, yeah, that is probably on t- based on talent. It's a it's it is worthy of being in the tournament, but uh, it, it was it was just the way that the cards fell. And uh, I mean, Florida State obviously wasn't at, yeah, forget Florida State. Yeah, th- I think I think that I would have been nice to see a five team tournament somehow. You know what I mean? Because I think Georgia. Georgia probably could beat at least two or three of these teams that, that were entered in the, in the nah, I think if it was in Vegas, they'd be the favorite uh, right now. If, if, if you made lines for all of them. That's yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate. Davey, listen, we've talked about your future, and it's you're a bit of a short timer here at Penn Live. We talked about it on the video, but I know that you, I think you, I was talking to Chris, our guy, Chris Hopkins. Uh, you got some, did you get some nice well-wishers uh, reaction on you? You know, um, I'd never intended for all this to, to come out, although, although actually I'm a big baby when it comes to wanting recognition. We all want to be loved. And- I'm going I'm to see myself out on this comment and I'm just going <laughs> to, I'm not going to, I'm not going go, to take the bait. I'm not taking the cheese. Jones. This is what, I, this is the truth. Okay. This is the truth. After the last game at Beaver stadium, I came home to, and, uh, and I saw the plaque on the wall in front of the, the press box that has all the, you know, the names on it for the guys who have been there for 25 years covering the team. And I was like, and I just walked out of the place and no one said anything. And I came home to Ann and said, no one even said anything. I don't know what <laughs> And I talked to Chris Hopkins, our boss, and, you know, in, in passing, I kind of said, you know, I, was, I thought someone would say something, and no one said anything. And, and I was just a big, a big whining baby. I didn't want much. I just wanted. I thought they'd say something. And then I don't know how this started, but apparently Hermit got this going, and then we had this giant thing that happened in in the middle. Of, I it was completely shocked in the hospitality room in Atlanta. Um, on, I think it was on, I think uh, it was Mark and uh, Neil Neil Rudell and Mark had a lot. Yeah, time. Joe Joe Mark and Neil on Friday on Friday and it uh, was it Thursday it was Thursday, and I was stunned and really surprised and really happy. Penn State Communications put out a uh, a photo of the group photo we took. I I just wanted to kind of what I'm getting as I wanted to fade away and not make this a big deal, but. That let the cat out of the bag, and then you uh, said some really nice things in the video after the game, and we almost got run over by the tractor. And, you know, you don't know how people feel about you. I remember when we started in this business, all you got was letters. You know, once in a while, you get a letter in the mail. Uh, Yeah, a heartfelt seven-page letter with lots of profanity and misspelling about how we're the worst people in the world. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That was the extent of our feedback. You know, you hear mostly criticism. When we put the video up on YouTube, I was just so blown away by all the really nice things people said. And I haven't answered it because I don't know how to get on YouTube on my phone. I I do on my laptop. I'm going to do it today. 
just, but, but I'm doing it now since we're on YouTube. I can't tell you how good it made me feel because, you know, we, we went through a lot of stuff with, with the Joe bots and those people who are a, a, a minute sec- sector of the community. And it made me feel good to, to think that some people appreciate what we try to do. And it, it was really gratifying. That's all I'm trying to say. And I, I really thank everybody. Well earned, too. Well earned. Anyway, I hope that I hope the well wishes keep coming. Uh, we're going to keep doing podcasts and videos. And I know, Dave, we're going to hear a, a couple of I think you're going to write some things maybe down the road. I don't want to I don't want to let the cat out of the bag. But, yeah, I think it's I think it's a. Uh, it's going to be a nice little last couple of. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure when it's going to be, but it's not. It's not. It's going to be a couple months yet. So yeah, I'm going. I'm going till April because that's my 67th birthday. Penn State yeah. fans, if you get a chance to reach out to Dave, uh, clearly he would appreciate it, and uh, and and we're just going to go from there. But yeah, it's been. A if, if you get a chance to reach out to Dave, do, and he'll say, "Can't you see I'm working here?" <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, that's it for this podcast. Uh, we got we'll we'll be back to talk about the national championship game and any news regarding Penn State football. But Dave, you be good, to Kaiser. Be barks. He's trying to protect you. Don't yell at your dog. I won't yell at him today. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. <laughs>